Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. Welcome back, everybody, to Your Creativity Podcast. I am Dylan, a local graphic designer, local to Salt Lake. And um, Dylan, what the hell is the name of our podcast? I'm getting to that. Okay. You and Andrea always interrupt my builds. Always. <laughs> <You're> what? <laughs> my build. I'm, I'm building the opening. <laughs> and it's pretty exciting, i got to say that. <laughs> I can't wait to hear what, is, what this podcast is called. <laughs> It's called your creativity. It's what? Your creativity. Oh. Yeah, that's my thought. Oh. Huh. Well, I guess I'm out. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not really that creative. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> uh, Neither am I. I. I don't know why you're having me on this podcast, but go ahead, introduce me. <laughs> go ahead, and then we'll, I'll tell you why I'm not creative. <laughs> Got Steve here with me today. Yes. He's my co-host. Steve Hatch. What's up? And we are actually at his shop today. And the reason why we're here... Well, Dylan to- gets pissed because, like, I never bring chocolates whenever we, like, record. Mm-hmm. And I still don't bring any chocolates out. But we have chocolates. We're at the chocolate shop today. No, Hatch Family Chocolates on uh, 8th East? 8th Avenue. 8th Avenue. Between E and D. Just go to the ER at LDS Hospital. Mm-hmm. Your heart attacks, whatever. If you go to LDS Hospital for the ER, just... Walk out the lobby. We're right there. You probably get a lot of hospital patients over here, don't you? Yes, we do. Oh, yeah. I just, I just took my brother in. He was doing something stupid, and he's in the ER. So I'm going to come over here and have some chocolate. <laughs> they wanted to room together. Yeah. How many chocolates could I put in my mouth? Yeah. There's 20. So it's uh, – okay, go ahead. I'm just going to sit here and be quiet. So oh, welcome, yeah. Steve. Thank you for letting us use your shop today. You're welcome. We also want to do a shout out to Keith Stubbs, uh, my friend over at Wise Guys. He lent me his uh, podcasting equipment to do, do this today. We had a last minute cancellation with the the Earhole Media Portable Studio. Now, um, our guest today almost needs no introduction um, locally because he's been on the longest running um, morning radio show. X96's radio from hell. Uh, we've got Bill Allred. Welcome, Bill. Thank you, Dylan, and thank you, Steve. Who the hell did you pay off? To you're on the longest running morning show. No, no, I don't. I can't believe it either. I have no idea why. I have no idea how that happened or why that happened. I guess it's just because I refused to go away. <laughs> <laughs> People said go away, and we said no. No, we're not going over. No. You started back in uh, 1980 on the radio. Is that correct? Did that sound uh, right? Yeah, my uh, my recollection is <laughs> that uh, I started. Actually, it was in November of 1979. Okay. But I always say 1980, just to round it out. That's when I started uh, in radio uh, temporarily, I thought. I was just going to be a temporary job. And then here it is, uh, 2016, and I'm still doing it. Where did you broadcast the original? In Ogden. Okay. At, on an AM station. 1490 KJQ. 
1490 AM. Is it still there? Uh, the building's still there. Yeah, and the frequency is still there. It uh, was bought by um, uh, some religious broadcasters, and they, for years, have just run that AM frequency, and they do religious broadcasting. And it pretty much just is in Weber County and Northern Davis County. And that's it. That's pretty much all they. So when I started doing radio, uh, only people in you know, Ogden and Weber County and a little bit in Layton and so forth ever, ever heard the shows that we were doing. And, um, <clears throat> but but I, I will say this, 1490 KJQ was an incredibly popular radio station, interestingly enough. Hi, Kate. How are you? It's Kate. Um, Kate well, there. thank you. Uh, it was an incredibly popular radio station. Again, it was just an AM station, 1490. But it, everybody in Ogden, everybody in Weber County listened to that goddamn station. They knew what it was. They, uh, we had uh, uh, stickers, and it was just an orange Q. Okay. An orange Q sticker. And there was an orange Q sticker on half the cars in Weber County. Uh, it was really popular, and we did very funny, creative stuff. Uh, what, like every Christmas, we had the Santa cube who would go <laughs> go around and give prizes to people. And it was this uh, uh, big black guy, friend of ours, who worked at the station named Willie McCurdy. And Willie would put on a set, and he was quite portly, heavy guy, and uh, African American, and he he put on a white beard and a Santa outfit, and he'd go around to people's businesses and go, "Ho ho ho! I'm the Santa cube." And, 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 he would, and he would give people prizes at Christmas time. And, uh, yeah, and, I mean, we just did all kinds of bizarre, funny little stunts and stupid-ass things. And, and it was a popular show or a popular station at the time. When you started, did you, did you have co-hosts or were you? No, when I started, I didn't. When I started, they wouldn't let me on the radio. I went to the uh, – I had been working at a bar. I'd been living in New York. Been acting. That's what I wanted to do. And, uh, and I got a job at the Utah Shakespeare Festival while I was in New York. And because uh, the Shakespeare Festival, the Utah Shakespeare Festival, holds regional auditions. Now I'd worked at that festival before as an actor, uh, but uh, they came to New York and auditioned people. And my roommate in New York uh, got hired as a director at the festival. And he said, uh, you, you come out and be an actor, too. So um, I, I returned to Utah. I'd been living away for a couple of years. Returned to Utah, uh, did uh, my summer at the Utah Shakespeare Festival acting, and, uh, and by the end of that, I was broke because you don't make any money being an actor. And at that time at the Utah Shakespeare Festival, they pay them fairly well now, but at that time they didn't pay they gave you room and board, I think $500 for the summer or something like <laughs> enough to buy wine you know, <laughs> and cigarettes, enough to buy wine and cigarettes. So, uh, so I went back to Ogden uh, from Cedar City and I had no money and I wanted, I was going to go back to New York and I started working in a bar to get some money together that a friend of mine owned, an old, an old theater professor of mine owned a bar a couple of bars and I started working there and I hated it. And, you know, and was, you know, plus you, but plus when the bar closes, you just stay there and drink 
until <laughs> four or five in the morning, you know, and it just got to be. And then repeat the next day. Yeah. You know, I, I'm going to drink myself to death here or get beat up. Well, they were rough bars. They were, people got beat up a lot and shot and shit <laughs> in these bars. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Um, uh, anybody who, anybody who wants to think back in Ogden and remember, um, the establishment, which was on Washington Boulevard, that was one of the bars, and the other one was called Sweetwater Station. It was on the corner of 25th and Grant. And they were rough places. Anyway, um, a guy, uh, the bar did some advertising with this local radio station, 1490 KJQ. 1490 KJQ and um, <clears throat> the owner came in and would sell advertising, and I got to know him, and and then at some point, I went to the radio station and said, I'd like to, a job. And he said, okay, you're hired. I just lost a guy. And uh, Did you become Santa Claus? No. No, I didn't. And I thought, oh, great, I'm going to be on the radio. And he said, uh, we'll have you work overnights. Uh, you'll start at, it was either 10 or 11 at night. I think it was 10 at night till 6 in the morning. Uh, we'll pay you uh, minimum wage. I mean, might even pay it a little bit more than minimum wage. And uh, start uh, next week. Great. So I get there to start, and I th I'm thinking I'm going to be a disc jockey. I'm going to be on the radio. I'm going to be, you know, Venus Flytrap from WKRP <laughs> or something. Well, listen here. Tonight we're going to be playing a lot of music. No. I ran automation. That's all I did. I, I put tapes in a machine and unloaded the tapes and put new tapes in and had to record a news feed once an hour. Ah, but I did get to be on the radio just a little bit. They said, you can record a weather forecast. Record a weather forecast and plug it into the automation so people will hear your voice on, you know, so people could hear my voice on the weather forecast. So that's what I was doing. I was sort of disappointed. <laughs> um, but I bet they were a really good forecast. They were. I was, I was actually <laughs> at reading the weather. Uh, and then... Um, uh, but the the equipment was kind of shitty, and uh, and it was prone to uh, misbehaving. So like there, all of a sudden there'd be four different songs playing on the radio at once because they were all on tapes, but they'd mm -hmm. all fire at once, and then a disc jockey's taped voice, and everything would fire. So there'd be like five songs and three voices on the radio. And, oh, and you, you had to Were you still sick. working the bar gig at the same time? No. And so, like, the voices <laughs> just happened to go inside. No, no. <laughs> so, so, you, so you had to know how to fix that. But they throw you in there, and, and, and I didn't know how to fix it the first night, second night. It was disastrous. It was a disaster. <laughs> I call the owner on the phone at 3 in the morning, and I say, I, oh, this is happening, and I don't know what to do. And he said, he sort of talked me through it. And, okay, here, do this, do that, do this. And I finally got it under control and uh, made it through that first night. And But the morning, there was a live morning show. One guy, his name was Rob Rule, and he would come in and do a morning show starting at 6. Mm -hmm. So he uh, came in and he said, uh, I understand you had a lot of trouble last night. I heard some of that when I got up to get ready for work and all that shit playing on the air at once and all that stuff. And I said, yeah, pretty bad. He said, well, I guess some people just aren't cut out to be in radio. <laughs> That's horrible <laughs> here at the and first, I, end of your first shit. I said, 
said to myself, what an asshole. What a dick. I'll show, I'll show you. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, did you ever invite him on Radio for Help? Uh, no, he was, uh, so he and I became pretty good friends, and he, uh, not too much long after that, said to the owner, look, I'd like to have a co-host in the morning, and I want Bill to do it. And so that was my first, I got off the overnights, and I did news. I was essentially his news guy. That's what I would do. And um, it was uh, Rob and Bill in the morning, the breakfast flakes in the morning, and uh and we were popular. We did well. But again, it's just people in Weber County and Roy and, you know. How long did you work there? <clears throat> until it disappeared, until it collapsed. Uh, it got, we got an FM, finally. And, uh, but it still, it was just not very, just shitty signals. And one was an AM and the FM signal was terrible. Uh, it was... Uh, it was on a, a place in western Weaver County called the, the tower was on a, it was on Little Mountain, and you don't you don't want <laughs> you don't want because because FM signals are line of sight. Yeah, you know AM signals are kind of great because they'll bounce off a of shit and 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 they're actually stronger and it's a better signal than than an FM signal, an AM signal, especially if you have a powerful AM signal. But uh, this FM signal was on this place <laughs> called Little Mountain, and it just was terrible. And um, go far, yeah. But uh, so we, anyway, we kept, and that's where I met Carrie Jackson. He got hired. Uh, I left for about a year because I thought, uh, I was working like 16 hours a day. And I liked it, but I was just getting, I was just sort of spinning my wheels and didn't think I was going anywhere. And so I, um, they started up a TV station in Ogden. Uh, which is it's still on? What is it now? It's, it's it was K O O G for Ogden, and now it's I don't know. It's still on. Though. Was it? It was a UFH station at the time. Though <laughs> so, again, so signal problems. Nobody yeah. could really <laughs> see the goddamn thing. Just the people um, around the building. <laughs> yeah, yeah, kind of. And again, I think the tower was on Little Mountain, <laughs> but. Uh, uh, so I went and worked there for about a year, and that was horrible. And I went back. I went to the, uh, to the owner of the radio station and said, I'd like to come back to the radio. And I'd still been working for the radio a little bit, doing commercials and stuff like that. And he said, okay, uh, I just hired this new guy, uh, and I'd like to have him uh, be, I'd like you to be his co-host. It was Terry. Terry Chapman. That's how you Yeah. So we were just kind of thrown in there together. And that was in 86, I think. And and then um, when from KJQ to X ninety six, how did that transition? Well, that, that was all just um, so the without getting too detailed about it, uh, there was an, a co owner of KJQ AM and FM was a, a guy in El Paso Texas called the asshole from El Paso. That's what we called it, <laughs> and he was uh, he was a he was pretty much a criminal. Uh, but he decided he was going to take over the whole thing. Uh, because we had started doing very well, because we were playing, we started to play the music of the time, what was called modern music then. And, and again, without going into how that all happened, KJQ became really well-known. Uh, Mike Summers and Biff Raff and uh, Laura Jones 
bunch of other people, they came to KJQ because they needed a place to be. And right. the owner said, okay. And they put them on overnight. So we're playing this really nice modern, this really good modern, you know, flock of seagulls. That, uh, that was being played uh, overnight. And then at 6 o'clock in the morning, Carrie and I doing a morning show, we were still playing Top 40, Mar Mariah Carey. And, <laughs> you know, just... <laughs> But, you know, and, and, but that didn't last long because right. uh, the owner of the station saw how well that other stuff was doing overnight. And he said, Look, we're going to put this on all, all day. And um, uh, Mike Summers and um, the, the, the Richard Reese was one of the principals in that and a bunch of other folks. They said, uh, OK, get rid of that carry and bill. Uh, get rid of those guys. They don't know shit about this music, which was true. Um get rid of them. We're going to put our own morning show in and, and God love them. Our, our, the owner of the station said, no, one of the contingents is you keep those guys on in the morning or I won't do it. All right. And I said, all right. And none of those people liked us too much for a while, but then it became clear to them that I think that we were okay. Maybe we didn't know the musical as well as they did, but we were learning it. And we were providing a kind of an entertaining morning show around the music right. that they didn't have. And so so we all became, we, we became friends, pretty much. And it was doing well, kicking ass. But then this uh, uh, asshole from El Paso came in. Uh, he said, I'm going to take the whole thing over. There was a legal fight. It was brutal. He brought in a lot of his own people. Oh, it just got worse and worse. He didn't know what was going on. And finally... People started quitting. The salespeople started yeah. quitting. Mike Summers, uh, all of the modern music people started. They all quit, and pretty soon it was just me and Carrie. Carrie was having a big bout with cancer, uh, right. testicular cancer, and uh, he needed insurance. And at one point, these modern or these uh, jerks from Texas said to me, all right, we're going to have to have you sign a, a non-compete clause, which I'd never signed one before. I said, if, you know, uh, you, you have to sign a non-compete that you won't work for any other station. If you quit or be fired or whatever. And, then, and I said, no, I won't sign it. And they said, if, if you don't sign it, we'll fire you. And I said, now, I knew in the back, I had a little lace in my pocket. I knew that Mike Summers and one of our former salespeople, Jim Thaser, mm -hmm. were really close to getting a new signal and starting another station. And I said, okay, fine me. And they did. Carey stayed. He could have done the same thing, but he stayed. He was, and you know, he was worried about the insurance and the cancer treatment and, yeah. and he stayed. And so X96 started up a few months later. KJQ was still there. Carrie was still on. Thanks to the assholes from El Paso. Mm -hmm. That's what created Radio from Hell? Pretty much. Well, Carrie and I were calling it Radio from Hell on KJQ while we were there. But then it split. Uh, we started X96, and I started doing a morning show there with the Dom Casual. Uh, we called it Project X. And eventually, KJQ went away. Oh, it just, no. it just fell apart because it couldn't survive. And, and we had people at X96 who knew what they were doing, and we rolled over them. 
we just rolled over an X96 started 22 years ago. Something like that. Pretty close. About so the that's time the story I started. in a nutshell. Was that interesting or that was? Yes, that was that was very interesting. Okay. Because you've gone through the story before on uh, other yeah. things, but yet it's here. It's great to hear a take on it. But what when you actually start talking about your story, mm -hmm. you actually light up and you get really excited. But you can tell that you're very passionate about that. And what I also notice is, you know, it seems to me that you have deep deep roots. You're loyal. Um, but you want to be treated fairly as well. I kind of see that carry over even in today's shows. So I guess some of my questions too would be what made you loyal? Like why, what, is there something from your youth that kind of raised you to be kind of have, I don't know. It's interesting for you to say that. I'd, I'd never thought of it from that. Like, you know, it seems like all of you guys kind of were loyal together um, to kind of to be true to the music, but also true to yourselves as far as what you were trying to create, what you were making. I mean, people told you you were a shitty DJ, and that you'd never amount to anything, <laughs> but you didn't let that stop you. Why not? Um, well, part of it was I'd gotten to know enough people in radio um, and had them, and I really started to pay attention to radio. I was not a huge consumer of radio <clears throat> up until that time. Uh, I guess when I was little I and when I was young I listened to talk radio because that's what my mom listened to. But, um, so then I started paying attention to radio and who was doing it and how they were doing it and I thought to myself, God, these people are not that good. I mean, I can, I can do this. I can certainly do this and do it as well, if not better. Um, and then, but that, I don't know, that loyalty thing. I had never really thought of myself as being loyal. But I guess I, guess I kind of am. And, and I, um, I mean, I don't know why. I mean, I'm really... I'm, I guess I've always thought of myself, I am trustworthy. I'm the kind of person, if you tell me something and, uh, and, and you say, this is in the utter strictest confidence, tell no one else, I, would, I just would never betray that. I wouldn't even tell my wife. If you said, I don't want anyone to know this, don't tell anybody, even your wife. So, okay, I, pr I promise I won't. Probably even something illegal, even with a friend of mine. I, I don't think I've ever been faced with that, but they said, you can't tell anybody this. I don't know if I think I might. You take it to the grave? Maybe. Maybe. You know, and I think <laughs> one, of, one of the reasons. What do you want to tell me, Steve? <laughs> well, no, here's what I noticed. What, so Kate and I on a I remember when we first opened, we had nothing, we were nobodies, but you guys looked out for us, and you guys actually had us on air once or twice, but you would talk about our chocolates. Now, of course, I was very elated and very excited that you would do that about our shop, but I started paying attention. You do that to a lot of new companies, and what it taught me was that you guys are very good at trying to support local, um, and then trying to, to get 
to talk about things and mm-hmm. to get hype going. Yeah. What drives that? Uh, well, just because, I mean, it's because we like it. I mean, we liked, I remember when we met you, I'd never heard of you. We were, uh, it was one of those best of Utah things that City Weekly had done. And I think it was at the Beehive Team Room. With Shauna Thomas. Uh, she was one of the hosts. Well, she, and, and so Carrie and I were doing a show there, and, and you guys came, you and Kate came in with chocolate. I've never heard of this. You know, this, this is great. And so, so it's a matter of uh, stuff that I, stuff that we like, stuff that I like, I will speak well of. You really, uh, you, we do those, uh, on the show we do those live ads. We're pretty strict about that uh, in terms of uh, we don't think it's good or we don't think it's a, we won't do it. We, we turn down. It has to be a fit. has to make, make sense. Yeah, and I mean, certain things you can't really... Like there, we do an ad for um, uh, this kind of real estate company. Now, none of us have ever really used that real estate company, but we've met the woman who runs it and uh, how she, we've talked to her extensively about how she markets things and, and why, how she, why she's doing what she's doing. And, and we like her and we think that what she does is honest and good. And so we'll talk about it. But then we do 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 stuff that's just like we did. I don't think you ever bought a single commercial from us ever. But we did talk about. You want a five? <clears throat> would it, the, it, it, be, that would be about a five seconds bill. It'd be a little bit more than five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more expensive than that. But um, but you know we talk about stuff. But it's interesting. Sometimes that does turn into. Money. Uh, a prime example of that is uh, Feldman's Deli. Uh, we um, actually, I'd never heard of it. None of us had ever heard of it. Our friend Paulette, who lives in New York, uh, Carrie's a longtime friend, but she's been a, a fan. She's from Salt Lake, and now she lives in uh, New York, and she does uh, uh, a dessert show on the Food Network called Unique Sweets. And then she's a guest on lots of different shows on Cooking Network. And, She's a really interesting, funny, ballsy, foul-mouthed, wonderful person. Uh, and she listens to the show quite a bit still in New York. But uh, she, when she comes home she often to Salt Lake, she often comes by the studio. So she came by and she started talking about this deli, Feldman's Deli. Best, you know, I have great delis in New York. You have one of the best delis in the, in the country right here in Salt Lake, Feldman's Deli. had no idea. So we went there, you know, I went and had some stuff and, we started talking about it a little bit on the radio. Oh, God, she's right. This Feldman's is great. Well, now they're clients because I don't think they'd ever heard of us either. <laughs> you know? And now, but now they spend a little bit of money because people, I guess, people started going in there saying, "Hey, I was uh, just heard some people on uh, X ninety six talking about you, so I thought I'd come and try it." You know, so that it, so that it works out a lot of times. I mean, that's not why we do it, but again. It's always nice when it does turn into money, and I just, <laughs> and I just hit steel. You want to hug? <laughs> no. <laughs> and it creates community with the listeners because the, yeah. that's one of the things I love best about the X ninety six listeners is there's a, a strong community there. Yeah, they're pretty. Yeah, particularly uh, listeners have been around for a long time. 
and then they start it. So they sort of get to know each other, and yeah, they're very, and they're really loyal to us, and you know, hopefully we return that. I, I, I'm one of them. That's actually how I got in. I, I interned at the station for a little bit. I helped uh, Richie out with graphics, mm-hmm. and that that actually put me in through a lot of doors with with my career in design. You know, got me connected with Keith and Wise guys and a handful of other clients. Mm-hmm. Um, um, next, I want to ask you about your kind of your daily, you know, your daily routine. You know, what time do you get up and you know. get up at 3 a.m. And I uh, sit on the toilet for a little while staring at my cell phone. Just you answered <laughs> my, my text about that time. So. Yeah, now that actually makes me a little well, more nervous. Yeah, yeah. I was probably sitting on the can. <laughs> kind, of, kind of the first thing I do. I mean, you have time to think there. Yeah, so it's about 10 minutes. You know. Then I go up into the uh, uh, attic where my computer is. And, uh, and, and there's a coffee pot up there that's on a timer. And there's hot coffee waiting for me up there. And uh, I go up and pour myself a cup of coffee and turn on the computer and start going through news, looking at um, Salt Lake Tribune and New York Times and all of that and um, making notes and say, and then I, I clip stories electronically, clip them and save them into an Evernote. Use, use Evernote uh, quite a bit. And I have several different files of, you know, there's a file for local stories, a file for national, a, a file for um, highly unusual stories. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's a file that says weird, just fucking weird. And that's, uh, those are stories that Gina will like, you know, usually brutal, <laughs> brutal crime stories and things like that. And then uh, celebrity, there's a file that says celebrities. So I just kind of clip stories, read through them. Just skim through them really lightly. Uh, maybe make a note on paper about you know something I wanted to say about them, or, uh, and I do that from you know probably three twenty to about five, and then I go downstairs and shower and try to grab something to eat and head to the studio. Get there by ten to six. And uh, you, you live? Are you in Salt Lake? Or? Yeah, I live really close to the. Okay. I live, I'm 10 minutes away from the studio. Did, did you live up in Ogden at some point when you're well, working at? Uh, no. Well, when X96 started, was I living? No, I was living in Salt Lake by then. Yeah. 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 I've been living in I've been living in Salt Lake for 25 years or something. I have I have lived in Ogden temporarily. And commuted to Salt Lake, but but not. No. I've always lived really close to the studio. Oh, except when we started. When we started X ninety six. It was in Provo because that's where the signal is, and it's still our city of license. Oh, really? Yeah. You if you listen uh, to the uh, hourly ID. Oh, Provo Ogden. Provo Ogden Salt Lake City, uh, and you you always have to mention the city that you are licensed to first. So it's KJQ, KJQN, Provo, Auburn, Salt Lake City, X96. Um, 
So I was commuting from Salt Lake to Provo every morning. That was pretty shitty. I, I worked in Springville for a, a few months, and it, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. And I had to, so my uh, ex-wife and my uh, two older kids live in South Ogden. And twice a week, I would drive from Provo to South Ogden to pick them up at school, you know, so I could spend time with them. I'd pick them up at school and take them home and fix them dinner and stuff while my, until my ex-wife got home. She and I would chat for a minute or two about whatever. And then that, those were long, oh, God, those were long days. Yeah, yeah it was terrible. Driving from driving from Provo to Ogden twice a week, and then back to Salt Lake, which is but that also ties into okay. One of your sons is Dylan, mm-hmm. um, who not me, Dylan. not me, no, not him. Not Bill wouldn't claim me. <laughs> I know. Well, I have. I have. You can adopt Dylan. I already have Dylan. Too. I already have. But Dylan is adopted. Actually. Yeah, so it's already adopted. It could be, can I be one of your kids? No. <laughs> no. But I, Although you're the right height to be one of my kids. <laughs> most, of my, most of my kids are so tall. Like, like where did that happen? You know? Okay, then I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Okay, no take backs. I'm kind, of, I'm, I'm kind of adopted. Actually, my two daughters maybe will be about my height, and I'm pretty sure. But then, but then my, my son, Dylan, is... I don't know, is he six feet? He's probably six feet tall, yeah, isn't he? Probably, yeah, probably. And then my my uh, younger son, little Bill, is six two or something like that. It's like I, I went shopping with him yesterday, and he's I'm standing next to him. Like, How did this giant come? He's not adopted. He's from me. <laughs> <laughs> this giant. How did that happen? But anyway. Magic. Yeah. Anyway, I'm Magic. sorry. What you were saying. No, but okay. So was Dylan one of the kids that you would go and meet, take home? Yeah. Dylan and his sister Julie. But you now actually host a podcast with Dylan. Yeah. The Let's Go Eat show. Yeah. He. Uh, what started that? Um. I guess I just needed some help. And, uh, well, that's, I mean, pretty <laughs> obvious. <laughs> but he, he said, uh, he said, I'd like to produce that. And, uh, and so I said, okay. You know, he'd been studying, he studied media and uh, video and TV production and all of that stuff at Weaver. Uh, and he, so he helped produce that show, or he did produce that show. And then he um, got a job, an internship in New York at The Daily Show. And he was gone for a while, about a year maybe, and uh, <clears throat> it was pretty hard to do the show with it because I I can't I just don't a I don't like doing all of that bullshit of you know booking guests and arranging where to set up stuff and setting stuff up I just I don't I don't like doing that and that's the hardest part of it as far as I'm concerned is just booking it and making sure that it gets uploaded to the websites and, you know, all of that stuff that you do. I'm sure you do. Yeah, and, yeah, know. I do most of it for this. And it, it, is, it is frustrating. Because really, Steve mm-hmm. and me, I, I do nothing. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we're done. Sure. Uh, yeah, Booking I have to beg you to retweet. Do you, do you even tweet? I don't know when I have a glass of I'll hold it against you. But it's, so all of that stuff and all that, and I, and and frankly, I hate social media too. I just hate all of it. 
I don't care for it. I think it's, you know, and, and everybody says, oh, but you have to do it. You have to do it. You have to do it. Okay, well, I do as little of it as possible. I think Facebook is a, is a just a... It's a monster. It's, it's a pit. And, and I don't do it often enough, really. I go Then I go look at Facebook and I go, the fuck is all of this stuff? There are too many options. Yeah. And I, and I mean, there are, I mean, I think even for people who do it regularly. Well, they change the feed like every two or three months. Don't, don't get upset just because I poke you all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I barely, I have a few uh, people who reach out to me on Messenger, Facebook. And I think you're one of them sometimes do that. And I have it on my phone just because there are a few people who reach out to me that way, but. It's not the best way to get a hold of me. You know, it's, it's not. And, uh, and neither is direct message on Twitter. There are just too many. Yeah, there is. There's too many. Call me on the fucking phone. You know, <laughs> text me. That's about as far as I want to go. Maybe email me. It's all horrible. But uh, anyway, see, I get I get sidetracked easily. I'm getting all irritated. No, I just. Uh, I thought it was a nice little bonding moment that you and your son hosted a show together. And I actually think it's pretty incredible, too, that, well, okay, I my I would drive my dad batshit crazy if I, like, did a show with him. Mm-hmm. And I think your relationship is amazing, how you guys work together. But I also wondered, okay, obviously you're a huge inspiration to your, your children, and they like that. Who inspired you? What's the circle of that? Hmm. You know, I just, I'll say this about Dylan, too. I, I really appreciate what he does. And he also, he's now, see, he was doing that for no money. Now he's getting paid a little bit, and he's also coming in in the mornings on the show and uh, producing a, uh, a video. We do a lot. We've got a live video like feed, yeah. feed, and uh, he's he's in charge of that and produces that. And he's it's on a... Right now, he's on a temporary basis, but I really hope we can bring him on. Although he'll get, you know, he'll get a job as a producer somewhere out of state at some point, and he'll go, and I will miss miss that help. But anyway, uh, so who is... He's going to have to teach um, Little Bill or somebody else, too. Yeah, I know. Little Bill doesn't have any desire to do it. When Dylan was a little kid... He would come with me to radio station remotes. He loved to come with me to radio station remotes. And then he loved to come with me to, um, like if I was emceeing a big event. He loved that, too. And he would say, can I come up on the stage with you? He was just a little kid, you know, eight, nine. And I'd say, sure. You want to say anything? And he'd go, no. And he would just stand <laughs> off to the side on the stage kind of watch me and look out at the crowd and never say a word. And uh, it was just, it was just the cutest damn thing, you know, and I didn't ever push him to talk or anything, you know, but, come on up here, come on, say something, you know, and just never pushed him to talk or anything. And he would just stand there. It was just so damn cute. I couldn't stand it. But uh, who inspired me? Um, I don't know. Uh, I mean, in life in general or in radio or, Well, you know, radio-wise, who kind of did you look to to kind of 
you know, shape your style or kind of get, you know, you know, I that think, type of thing. I think for, I think uh, I probably just took a lot of a sensibility of what to do from David Letterman, probably. I became, I was really into his show for a long time. I would tape it, you know, and then watch it every day. And just, and you know, it's not copy what he does or anything, but just a, a sense of, the sensibility of kind of whacked sort of odd worldview that he had. And, and I think, uh, and then in ter terms of, I like interviewing people, and there, um, and there are so many bad interviewers in this world. He looked at me, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I was staring right at you, Steve. So I try to think of, you know, who's, so, so then every, when I find a, a really good interviewer, then I'm really happy with that. I'm trying to think of who probably influenced me over the years in that regard. I, I'm not sure. But I can't, I don't know. But, you know, just any time I'd find a good interviewer or see a good interviewer, I'd just take special note of that and how they did what they did. And But you know what the real secret to being a good interviewer is? Is just being interested in people. It's just, I interview, I interview you know, the, the checkout clerk when I'm doing my groceries, you know, or I just ask people questions about themselves and, and I, cause I'm interested in what people do and why they do it and what they think or, you know, so, um, so I don't know if it's any one person, but good interviewers, and it, which is funny because David Letterman is a shitty interviewer. <laughs> he was always terrible, always terrible interviewing people, but, but I always like the, just the wax sensibility of the show. Then in life, people that have inspired me were probably my grandfather, who was a <clears throat> hard worker and appreciated that, taught me to appreciate hard work and just sticking to it. And, uh, and my mom, my mother was uh, very, um, she was a very um, heartfelt person. She was very empathetic uh, to other people. And, and she just was just great, you know, and she was smart. She was really smart, although she never, she never finished college. She never, none of that, but she, she was just a smart, smart woman, smarter than a lot of people gave her credit for. Is there a piece of advice you'd offer to other people in life that you've learned? Uh, pay attention. That's, that's my biggest piece of advice to anybody. Pay attention. Just pay attention to what's going on around you. Uh, you know, look, try and be aware of what people are feeling or thinking and saying. Be aware of what's going on in the world as best you can. Pay attention to the to the physical universe. I mean, I think it's uh, and I and I and I I try to get better at this all the time, but. You know, I think it's just, I think it's amazing that people walk around and they don't even know what the names of various kinds of trees are that they live with every day. You know, there's a, there's a, a an oak tree and a, a maple and a this and a that. 
or you know, and I like being able to, to name things in the physical universe. Or I like knowing what kinds of flowers are around. You know, and I pulled up to park here uh, outside the chocolate shop, and I pulled up right in front of that uh, flowering sage. That's a sage plant, I think. Russian sage. Russian sage with the purple, little purple flowers on it. And it's just filled with honeybees on it. And I just stop for a second and look at that and go, God, I love that. So that's what I was pay attention to stuff. Pay attention. Russian sage, yeah. I knew it was sage. But, um, so, so that's, I think, pay attention. God damn it. Listen up. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm putting you to sleep. <laughs> no, it's interesting. Um, with the with the Daily Show, what 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 are ways you guys um, keep it fresh, especially doing it as long as you have? Yeah, uh, I don't know. There's always something. <laughs> there's always some bullshit going on. There's always <laughs> there's almost always something. I mean, every once in a while, like any job, it happens. You know, you kind of go. I don't, I don't have anything today. I'll even say that every once in a while. I'm sorry, I got nothing today. Nothing. Zero. You've got four hours to fill. <laughs> four hours and I got nothing. And we made the big mistake uh, somewhere along the line of insisting that we shouldn't play music on that show. We no, you know, we wanted to stop playing music along, on the show a long time before we actually did. And everybody would say, no, uh, you know, all of our management programmers would say, no, no. You have to play music. You got to get at least six songs an hour in there. We prefer eight or nine. You, you know, most morning shows, they'll play, what, 12 songs an hour or something like that? It's yeah. mostly music, and then you just have to, you know, be with the Yeah. And we kept saying, no, we could do it. And, and there was a, a trend. Some of the big, big morning shows around the country were all talk, usually not four hours, only three. I, mean, I think Howard Stern only does ever right? That's kind of standard. But uh, <clears throat> Kerry said, and he was right. Uh, the ratings they measure our time from six a.m. to ten a.m. So why, in God's name, would we go off at nine? What, yeah. What, where is the thinking behind that? But that's what most morning shows do. I mean, I don't know in this market, uh, the ZHT, I don't know, maybe they're on top 10. I'm not sure. I'm not, I'm not sure offhand. Um, but uh, in some of the other morning shows. But but I know like on KSL, they're, they're rated from 6 to 10. Their morning show is rated from 6 to 10, but they stop at 9 or 9.30. Yeah, and Doug come, yeah, comes, Doug on right comes up. Yeah, so Doug comes up. But I don't get that. Where is the, what's the point of that? Should be on from six to goddamn 10 o'clock because that's when they're rating us. Sink or swim. And then, um, but we uh, we kept saying, well, we should be able to do it with no, no music because some of the big shows were doing it. We said, we can do that. We can do it. No, 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 no. Gotta play music. And then, uh, it's terrible that 9 11 happened. We were on the air and uh, had some TVs going and we saw this planes crashing into the World Trade Center. And, and our show was, uh, 
Uh, it was about eight o'clock in the morning, or maybe eight thirty, something like that. Eight thirty, I think. And uh, it, we started talking, and we we just stopped playing the music. We started talking about what was going on and what we were seeing, and and then people started calling in. And we started putting them on the air. And, uh, was it that morning? That exactly that morning. Uh, Ten o'clock rolled around, and uh, the head program director came in and said, uh, uh, "Stay. We want you to stay on. Stay on the air for a while. Keep keep talking about this. Keep keep it going. Keep you know. This is the phones are jammed, and people are calling, and people want to talk. And so stay on." I think maybe we stayed on till noon. It's hard to remember now. And then, uh, and then our, 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 our just the pro. Now I was the head programmer for all the stations. The programmer for X ninety six came in at ten o'clock and said, uh, "All right, well, uh, guess what? Probably I'll get, let's, we'll get back to music. Let's get back to some music." We went, "What? Yeah, yeah. People will uh, people get there. If they want the news of this. They'll go to the television or they'll go. Why drive them?" If they're sticking to us, yeah. let's keep them here. They want to talk about it and they want to experience with us, then let's keep them here. And the head pro, the big guy came down and said, Yeah, stay on. Let, let me stay on. All right, whatever. And then the next day, he said, uh, The head programmer guy said, uh, Yeah, don't play any music today. Just people are still just really in shock and they want to talk. And people started coming into the, we had a coffee shop there at the time where the studio was and people started flooding into the coffee shop and we just stayed on and we just didn't, we didn't play any music that day or the next day. And finally the big programmer guy said, I think, I think, uh, you know, your show does just fine without music. If you want no more music. Okay. And that's the way it's been since. At what point did you add in the, the bathroom song? Party breaks on? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, we've done that yeah. for a long, long time. I, I think uh, the older you get, does the song get wild, like, <laughs> no, longer? No. No. As a matter of fact, I forget to use it. Uh, but uh, I don't know. I think maybe right because you know we said uh, other DJs they get they get bathroom breaks all the time. We don't. We got to have at least one in the show, so it's the potty break song. That's a, a time for us to you know, take a leak or whatever. Other shows uh, also they play a lot of uh, they re uh, bits that uh, they they do it once and they record it and then they play it again and we've done that uh, a little bit with things that must go for a long long time um, that was the only thing I think that we ever we do it once live and then we replay it because it's uh, because it's a, it's it, it, it's our most the boner of the day is the most popular thing we do. Second is things that must go. Uh, and uh, so for some reason we, uh, well, I mean, it makes sense. If it's that popular, why not do it again? But, you know, so we can just re replay it. Right. Uh, that little segment for eight or nine minutes. And then recently, we were, so, we were talking, we were saying, you know, if the boner of the day is the most popular thing we do, how can we maybe amplify that a little bit? So we've started uh, doing two things. We started uh, doing a boner preview segment early in the morning, 
and there'll be six candidates there, and we kind of involve people, and not a tremendous number of people do it, but it just keeps that feature kind of top of mind, boner of the day. There are six candidates there. You can go online and vote, and we'll take the top three vote-getters, and at the 7 o'clock hour, then people will vote for those. And then, um, and then we said, well, why don't we do the same thing with this that we did with uh, Things That Must Go and do the uh, boner rebroadcast? So we do that now every day in the nine o'clock hour. Rather than we used to do it ourselves, we used to say um, we used to do kind of a recap of them in the nine right. o'clock hour. But then I thought, well, why don't we just replay the bit? Why don't we just replay it? And uh, yeah, let's try that out. And I think it works out pretty well, and it gives us a little break too there. So and usually have the intro to that, uh, you know, a community person coming in, yeah. yeah. My brother, I think, did it once for one of his comedy showcases. That he's in, he's on Maine. What's your brother's name? Jordan. Jordan Mazzioli. Huh. Yeah, probably. Did. You know, we have so many yeah. people come through. <laughs> huh? Really? It's, it's you know, it's amazing uh, for some. There, like, there's something about you, Dylan, and, and that uh, I, I just have always been able to remember who you are and your name, and. Yeah. And but there's so, you know we have so many interns come through there, and then I'll have somebody come up to me and say, "Hi, don't you remember me?" No, I'm sorry. Well, I was an intern there for six weeks. <laughs> really, I've been there okay. oh, over really? twenty years. Okay, well, <laughs> nice. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> well, you're not going to make it in radio. <laughs> <laughs> now, now we were talking about. Yeah, segments there. Do you, do you have a favorite from over the years? You mean one favorite thing? Or just a, hand, you know, a handful of, you know, favorite segments, you know, Space Elders or, you know, just kind of those ones oh, that have came and Space gone. Space Elders. <laughs> you know, we used to do a lot of different recorded, uh, pre-recorded things. And we found that when people would come up and talk to us about the show, that's not what they wanted to talk about. They would wanted to talk about uh, when I was yelling at Gina for something, or the story about uh, you know the story about uh, when I shit my pants at uh, Len Allen's memorial service. He was a DJ in Ogden for years. I went to his memorial service and I had an accident <laughs> in the Ogden Tabernacle, and I and I and I I did I crap I crap my pants sitting in there and I. And I had to get up and go to the bathroom and throw my underwear away in the bathroom of the Ogden Tabernacle. <laughs> and and people, so you tell stories like that. That's what people talk about, would talk to you about the next day or the day after. Not space elders, not some pre-recorded thing. We used to do all kinds of stuff. We used to do what Carrie and Bill do when they're not on the air. And we would write them and produce them, and they're funny bits, you know. But here's what Carrie and Bill do when they're not on the air. You know, it's just some outrageous pre-produced piece of bullshit. You know. <laughs> there was one where I, it was at Christmas time where I took on, uh, I decided I would take on Santa Claus. And he was the leg wrestling Santa. I'm the leg wrestling Santa. I'll leg wrestle you for your, you know, and we, we produced these bits. And, and they were funny and they were well produced, but that's not what people talked about. Now, when they're gone, people say, oh, man, I miss space overs. You didn't miss it enough, you know, we'd still do it. Right. So, 
but I guess, you know, the stuff I like that we do, or, uh, I really, I mean, I really just still enjoy doing the boner of the day, and, and although it seems hard to believe it's so many years, but it's interesting to try and, I mean, just, I mean, I, tr I try to think up a little title for every one of those every day, you know. There's a lot of people that do some dumb, dumb stuff. Yeah. And uh, that's that's part of what I do in the morning when I'm preparing. I'm looking for those boner candidates, and then I'm trying to come up with some, you know, odd little title for each one of them as well. That, that's one of my questions. What what type of conditions are you most? What type of conditions are most creative for you? You said you're not overly creative, but you know that, that something creative. See, I don't think I really am that creative. I I think I'm uh, I think I'm glib. I'm a good talker and a pretty good listener, and uh, and that's a. I mean, I think of people being creative as people who can uh, create music and who can who can sing and who can uh, do fine art, you know, who can paint. Those people are, are really truly creative. I'm just glib. I'm just good at being a smart ass. That's all. <laughs> well, I'm on the opposite side because I'm, you know, I'm an artist. I, you know, I draw and graphic design and, and things like that. But I look at, you know, broadcasters and comedians, you know, storytellers. You know, I can't tell a decent story to save my life. So I admire those type of things about storytellers. Yeah, it's just a, it's, and I think of it more as that's more of a skill than a than an art, I think. I don't know. You can argue it all day long. But I think, I don't know, people who can do what we do, to me, that's really creative. People who can design things. Is that Look at Dylan. Again, Again what, not, 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 not what Steve. What can you do, Steve? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, I, I eat chocolate. That's you, about it. You've always been good at being a personality. I mean, that's, right? You're a personality. I don't know how you get, you know, there isn't big money in being a personality. Uh, it's pretty much, yeah. But I, I didn't know, you know, I don't, I only known you for a few years, but I know people who've known you for a long time who uh, said, oh yeah, Steve is a force of nature. He's, uh, you know, he can, you, you've just always been able to be uh, charming and, and outgoing. And, like a tornado. Yeah, that's right. A tornado. <laughs> He's a tornado. <laughs> a little tiny tornado. There he goes. They're really small files, but they're big. Well, maybe you're a dust devil. Well, uh, it could be. Maybe not a tornado, a dust devil instead. I want to be a water spout. Oh, kind of cool. Yeah, think. yeah. Aren't dust devils cool, though, when you're driving? You're out driving somewhere across the country and you look out on a plowed field or something. <laughs> and there are all those dust devils. I always want to stop my car and get out there chasing them. Get in the middle of one and see what it's like. I recently saw a fire nato, or somehow fire got turned up and turned. It. it turns itself into a tornado. Yeah, kind it's, of thing. it's yeah. freaky looking. Yeah. <laughs> and then who was it that said? Uh, was it Don said? Was somebody in Donald Trump's campaign who said that Donald's campaign is like a turd tornado? It's a turd <laughs> tornado. And the, and the interviewer was on CNN or something said, "Pardon me," said it. Or turd tornado, and she said, "What? What would that be?" And she said, "A tornado, tornado made of poop." 
you know, like a Sharknado, except it's a turd, <laughs> turdnado. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious because because the interviewer was caught so off guard by a what? No, what? <laughs> you know, I think here's what I really value about you, Bill, and about about your show. I actually did listen on nine eleven, and I think what happens is we feel that you're part of our family, like you're part of our daily rituals. We listen to you. That we may actually feel that we know you better than we do, and and um, but I think people cherish that or they value that. I think just as you guys look to support, you know, the community, I think, I mean, you do that to us. Like, you're part of us. So, thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. But, you know, it's the minute, the day the show is gone, the day the show stops. Bill who? Whenever that will be. People will forget really quick. But I, 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 I think that your impact, though, We'll go beyond that because what you guys did and what you've created actually is a huge thing. And people will forget names and they'll forget that. But your impact of what you created, I don't think people will ever lose. Like, I think I actually remember you from when I was in college. I remember you all the way growing up, but you were a part of my memories also. Mm-hmm. And so it may be new memories for other people, but I think you guys actually do a tremendous job of evolving and continuing to evolve. To make us all a better place here. It's really sometimes it's kind of scary to me. I, I was just reading an email this morning before I came over to somebody who said, and we get these pretty frequently about how I am the kind of person I am today because of your radio show. I'm the I'm a person. Uh, I came from a really conservative family, a, a family of people who just didn't think about stuff all that much, and but I started listening to your show. And you made me, you helped make me the person I am today. You know, a tolerant person or a person who questions things or what, you know, and I just think, God, I don't, that, you know, I don't want that responsibility. I'm just a, just a glib, uncreative glib motherfucker on the radio. You know? <laughs> just, a, just me. I'm, not, I'm no inspiration. Don't mess it up. And when, and then people hear my language on this podcast. Oh yeah, I don't like him all that much. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you guys have had, uh, you know, the the uncensored episode, so they, they they've heard it before. Yeah, that's true. You know what's really bugs me is uh, so my kid, uh, little Bill, he swears a lot. He swears a real lot, and I have to say to him, stop. You don't need to swear every second of every day. You don't need to do that. And and he says, well, uh, well, yeah, yeah, why can't I swear? And I say, you can, but you don't need to. I don't swear all the time. Why, well, you do too swear. I've heard them. Yes, I swear sometimes, but not every sentence. I mean, he's really like that. It's like, he'll, and, um, and he was swearing at school the other day. And one of the teachers or counselors or something said, you know, people who swear, uh, just don't have a very good vocabulary, and they're not very creative. And I just, I, I just hate that when people. And you've heard people say that before. You know, people who swear, they swear because they just don't have a very good vocabulary. Well, that's bullshit. Yeah. You know, and and some of the most creative, talented people I know swear a lot. 
Now, not like my son, every sentence <laughs> is terrible. But uh, but I just, it, this really bugs me when, when teachers and when they, and I, when he told me she said that, I said, you know, that's it. You're just going to come in and, and just just creep around and then leave without giving me a kiss or it's it's Katie. <laughs> Katie's trying it's to Katie. Stay well, that's okay. Thank you. Beautiful. Yeah, you look great. You've lost a lot of weight, haven't you? Fifteen. Yeah. Is it, is it because of worry or because you wanted to do it? Both. <laughs> you look you look really good. That's nice to see. I'm sweet on her. Everybody knows it. Uh, I'm sweet on her. It's terrible. <laughs> All right. Lovely to see you. You'll cut this out, won't you? No. I don't think so. It was her birthday yesterday. Happy birthday! <laughs> what a sweetheart. God, she's just the greatest. No, wait, we can't talk about it too much because then she'll be the co host. And then I'm going to be booted. No, I don't think. <laughs> no. I don't think Katie would like to do this at all. She would not care. What gives you that idea? I don't know. I just don't think she. Would. <laughs> I, I get that vibe too. She's a she's a behind the scenes person, right? I actually think she. Unless you get a beer or two in her, maybe <laughs> one beer and she's woo. No, Katie is one of the hardest workers I know, and she just is always trying to please everybody else. Mm -hmm. That's one of her best traits. Yeah. Can also be one of your downfalls to kind of please people too much. Yeah. So don't do that. I mean, <laughs> our, our success at our shop, I give her most of the credit. She does a great job. Yeah, she's terrific. What else do we want to talk about? Anything? Um, the, the last question, we could kind of go back to your uh, theater. Mm -hmm. you know, we go, we'll go into your theater work a little bit more. So um, back in public school in Weber yeah. State, you, mm -hmm. you got a bachelor in arts in yeah, theater there. Yeah, I went to Weber State. Uh, I, I wanted to be an actor ever since I was a really little kid. And that's a, acting is creative, I think. It's a creative outlet. Although, again, it's, it's an interpretive art. And some, would, some argue that that's not truly creative work. But I, don't, I, I think it is. But So I, I wanted, since I was a little kid, my mom, when I was like seven years old, enrolled me in this dramatic dramatics summer dramatics program um and then i started kicking around trying to be an actor and i you know i had some success with that uh had a paying job for a year in florida touring around with a, a children's theater company i um i got a I got a job in uh, California, Long Beach Repertory for a summer, did plays there. I, uh, in New York, I worked in an office and then would uh, audition for plays. Um, and I got a couple of things. I did two, three things, I think, that were called, they're called Off Off Broadway. They're really far off Broadway. You know, <laughs> almost. Uh, the, I mean, the way the New York theater is structured, there's the Broadway theater, and then there's off-Broadway theater, which is, there's some just, I mean, some terrific um, theater companies, off-Broadway theater companies, uh, very well, 
thought of and you know they do great work uh and then there's off off broadway uh which is uh spotty at best um but i got a couple of things did a couple of things was there a particular type of play that you you know preferred or just no just uh, uh not musicals because i can't really sing and i'm not a great dancer i can dance okay if you you know if you push me through it. And, if, we, if you get a growler in you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, uh, uh, so, so I did that, and I, but it's, man, it's hard. It's really hard to be an actor. It's hard on you. Uh, it's hard on you um, emotionally and spiritually. Um, it's because when you're rejected, you know, you go to an audition and you're rejected, and it's hard not to take it personally because it's you they're looking at. Right, it's yeah. you know it's it's you, and they say no. I'm sorry, you're just no, not what we need. And um, and auditioning is a very is a really difficult thing to do. It's, it's frightening and makes you nervous. And so, but I intended to keep going for it, and I don't know. I mean, I really don't know how good or bad I was. Or I mean, I think I was okay. I was a pretty good actor, and. Um, then I got, but then I sort of accidentally got the radio job, as we were talking about. And um, but periodically, somebody will ask me to do some some theater. Um, I've done for Plan B Theater, which is pretty, which is a really good theater company here in Salt Lake. Uh, they do every year uh, a radio play, live radio play that airs around Halloween. And they'll do it on uh, uh, KUER, and then then they um, and we invite and then they invite a live audience to come and watch the radio play. Uh, so usually it's two performances. It seems to me there's, and both time both performances will have an audience, but one is just for the audience, uh, and then there then the second time is it's broadcast uh, live on KUER, and that, that's great fun. God, I love doing that. If, and I, if I could have done, if I could have had any career in the world, I would probably have chosen to be a radio actor uh, in New York in the 30s and 40s and 50s at the heyday of radio drama. I just, man, I, and I still, I love listening to old radio shows. I have, um, I, one of the biggest reasons, the main reasons I have uh, satellite radio is they have a channel that just does old radio dramas and comedies and stuff like that. And I love listening to those. Uh, if I could have had any career, I would have been a, a working actor in New York in, in the heyday of radio drama. Uh, and then um, periodically people have asked me to do other acting jobs. And, I, and I'll do them, and I want to do them. Um, it always ends up being just hell to do it, though. Because it's it's just you know to do the radio show and then to try and rehearse and be do a do a play is also really difficult. And the plays start you know usually at seven yeah. you know, in the evening. Yeah. Yeah. Radio. Yeah, and so it's hard. It's really hard on me, but I I but I will always say yes. And I'll I'll ask my wife, should I do this? I'm, I'm going to say yes to this. And she said, okay, but just remember what you're going to get getting into. And I yeah yeah, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, and uh, but I won't audition for stuff 
You know, just if somebody, and if you're a theater producer uh, or director listening to this right now and would like to have me be in a play, I'll probably say yes. But I won't audition for anything because, I don't know, I'd be afraid I'd get it. <laughs> you know. But, uh, yeah, I love, I love acting and theater and, and uh, yeah. That's uh, Saturday's Warrior, was that one of the last things you did? No, no, I've, oh, that yeah. was a long time oh. ago. That was, geez, that was a long time ago. I've done, I did Saturday's Warrior, had a little cameo uh, role in that uh, one year. And then, uh, no, I've done a bunch of the Plan B stuff, the radio shows. Um, and uh, and uh, Plan B also does, uh, or has done in the past, a, a fundraising show that they call Band. Uh, and they, they present uh, scenes from scripts or books or music that have been b banned um, at one time or another uh, around, the, around the country and do... Uh, you know, and I, I uh, participated in that either as a presenter or a couple of times. Uh, Carrie and Gina and I have um, have uh, uh, emceed the whole thing, and you know, introduced all of the performers. And that's that's really a lot of fun to do. And anytime I can emcee something or be in front of a, a live audience, uh, I like doing that too. I mean, it, it, with the radio station, usually, like if there's a big concert or the big ass show that we have done every year, uh, that requires us to be out on stage uh, and introduce the bands, and you know, and I like doing that because I like performance in front of a live audience. I I know we kind of need to wrap up because you've spent way more time than <laughs> than I know that you wanted, but. Any last words you want to tell us? Mm. I was looking at one of my favorite quotes the other day. It was Davy Crockett who said, uh, always make sure that you're right and then go ahead. <laughs> I, I, love, I think that's fitting. <laughs> I love that quote. Always make sure that you're right and then go ahead. So, I mean, you know, I think about that and I think, well... It, that's a guy who wasn't wishy-washy. That's yeah. a guy who who took the bull by the horns. That's a guy who 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 just di did what he did. Uh, if you ever read the life of Davy Crockett, he's a fascinating guy. I mean, he became you know, I mean, he was this backwoods, uh, you know, uh, uh, guy who was a you know. I mean, you know the legends. You hear the songs. Davy Crockett, you know, killed him at bar when he was only three and. Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier. Wrestled bears. Yeah, wrestled bears and shot bears and wore a coonskin cap and uh, all of that kind of stuff. Well, a lot of that is true. I mean, it's true he did that. And, you know, you think the King of the Wild Frontier, the Wild Frontier at that time was Kentucky. <laughs> it was not, the, not out here, you know. Uh, but then he went on, he served in Congress. He was a congressman for, uh, you know, two or three terms. So I mean, he was a fascinating guy. Um, not one of my big heroes, really, but just a fascinating guy. <laughs> uh, uh, so, so always be sure you're right, then go ahead. I think that's great. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, Bill. Uh, you're welcome. We'll see you all next time. Uh, no, and okay. thanks, Bill. Thanks okay. for what you do for the yeah. community. Well, thanks, and thanks for the chocolate. You're welcome. I appreciate it. It's delicious. It's, it's the best of American chocolate, I think.
Thanks. Yeah. I think it's the best in the world. Yeah. It's it's different than European chocolate, the way they it do is. it in Europe. And I, I mean, it's a distinctive style, the American chocolate style, and I like American chocolate. And there you go. It's good. Keep knocking on wood. All right. Thanks, you guys. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Bill.